It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. The National Park Service has identified the two people who are presumed dead in a plane crash last week in Wrangell-St. Elias National Park. Officials say Clayton McMartin and Melissa McMartin from Roanoke, Texas, were believed to be on the plane. Alaska state troopers reported on August 28th that a Beechcraft Bonanza carrying two people had gone missing after leaving Glen Allen the day before on the way to Ketchikan. The plane was last heard from 18 miles inland of Cape Yakutaga near Yakutat. A U.S. Coast Guard aircraft spotted wreckage in a glaciated area with deep crevasses near Mount Leaper in Wrangell-St. Elias National Park on August 28th. The Park Service said rescue efforts were suspended over the weekend due to the weather and that the focus is on recovery now because so much time has passed since the crash. On September 6th, Sitka's cruise terminal operator told the Sitka Chamber of Commerce that he expects another huge cruise season next year. And although he's working on a plan to distribute more passengers to activities closer to the terminal and to reduce the volume of bus traffic, he says he has no plans to turn away any ships. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Barring any unforeseen ship cancellations in the shoulder season... Sitka's set to see slightly more cruise passengers in 2023 than initially predicted, with the season rounding out at around 560,000. Shuttling the bulk of those visitors to and from Sitka's privately owned cruise dock has been a top concern for many residents. Chief among them complaints about traffic, congestion, and environmental impacts. Cruise terminal owner Chris McGraw told the Chamber of Commerce that he plans to cut bus shuttling down by half in the next five years by spreading out arrival times and developing more tours and attractions out the road. From his end, the shuttle operation is one of the cruise terminal's biggest expenses, and the logistics are further complicated by when the ships arrive. Uh, Ovation of the Seas yesterday, and it had an 8 a.m. arrival, and we had no queue all morning here at the cruise terminal. Yet, you know, when they come in at 10 a.m., we'll have 1,500 people in line with a 15 to 20 minute wait to get on a shuttle. So those those arrival times significantly affect the level of bus traffic and shuttle traffic that we have to have on the roads. Uh, My goal is to work with the cruise lines uh, on future years to help alleviate that demand on the shuttle by spreading out those arrival times and, and, and working with the itineraries. McGraw and his tour company, Adventure Sitka, are no longer involved with a plan to develop 17 acres of city land with Shiatica Incorporated. Instead, he'll be expanding the dining and retail facilities at the terminal and adding a 260-seat theater, which he hopes will help disperse passengers on arrival. It'll be utilized for live performances uh, and informational immersive video presentations. Uh, We're looking to work with some of the the local venues uh, to provide content and experiences. And then the goal with this will be to help reduce that demand on that shuttle. If a ship comes in, you know, you could have 260 people that have tickets to that, to a first showing that aren't going to necessarily want to go get on uh, the very first shuttle of the town. So it helps distribute people throughout the community better. But these changes don't address the question foremost in the minds of many residents, the record-breaking number of cruise passengers visiting Sitka this year. That came through during the Q&A portion of McGraw's virtual presentation. One person asked, quote, do we have to have 500,000 passengers? 
McGraw said that was up to the market and the available infrastructure, but he wouldn't turn a cruise ship away. If there's demand to come to Sitka and the infrastructure is available for a space um, as a private business owner, and if I can accommodate him from with, with respects to my, my resources and my shuttle operation, I'm going to book that, that ship. Um, obviously, we have a significant investment we've made here over the last 10 years. And you know the, the point of a, a for-profit business is to get a return on that investment. So we do that through customers, and our customers are the cruise ships. Not every cruise ship that calls in Sitka uses the cruise terminal. On the busiest days, smaller cruise ships may anchor in front of town and bring passengers ashore on one of two lightering docks in the harbor. Nevertheless, McGraw said Sitka can expect the same level of cruise traffic next year, around 560,000 passengers. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. You can find a link to McGraw's full presentation on our website at kcaw.org. A former Alaska state coroner and magistrate judge died last month in Juneau. In his 84 years, Rick Shanko made quite an impression in and outside Alaska. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry spoke to his family and has more. Richard, or Rick, Shanko lived a lot of lives. Air Force serviceman, Alaska state coroner, judo champion, and magistrate. That's his nephew, Daniel Shanko, singing during the viewing. Dozens of friends and family members, many who came from out of state, gathered for the last day of Novenia, nine days of prayer following a death in the Filipino Catholic tradition. Above Shanko's coffin is a slideshow he put together himself. Pictures of him in a Here Comes the Judge t-shirt with his family, military and state officials recognizing his achievements, students in white judo robes, and lots and lots of fish. A slide of him standing with former Alaska Governor Bill Egan replaces one where Shanko holds a massive king crab. From what his family has to say, the pictures represent his life well. Shanko was a family man, and Daniel has many fond memories of his uncle, like bringing his own kids up to see Shanko and Juno when they were younger. He taught them how to play. I don't know if you know, you know what the uh, Hawaiian bikini is. It's, a, it's an upright base, but it's made out of a, uh, out of a, a tub with a stick in the street. He make, he make it sound like he was real. I mean, that's how good he was. So he would teach them, they would be laughing, he'd play spoons, I don't know if you ever saw anybody playing spoons. He was just so funny. We were just dying laughing in his living room. Shanko wanted Daniel to follow in his footsteps. He, he was willing to send him to law school to take after him, to be a judge. But Shanko had an unconventional path to becoming a magistrate judge himself. He served in the Air Force, then as a Washington state trooper and as coroner for Alaska. When Alaska Airlines Flight 1866 crashed near Juneau in 1971, he was the coroner assigned to the tragedy. It was the worst air disaster in United States history at the time, with 111 fatalities. He received a letter from FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover about his work on the crash investigation. In his memoir, Shanko wrote that he became a magistrate when a judicial conference drew all of Alaska's judges to Anchorage. Shanko was sworn in, so there would still be someone to preside over trials in Juneau during the conference. He worked as a magistrate judge and coroner concurrently and retired in 1990. Shanko was one of 13 kids in his family, born and raised in Molokai, Hawaii. Growing up, he was a sort of ringleader with his siblings, says his last surviving sibling, Rita Diorik. And Rick would gather us up when we were like 10, 11 years old. 
Are we going still watermelon at the field? <laughs> Rick was our leader. And he would take us up to the mountain behind where we live to pick up some mangoes. And then we'd see some wild pigs. And Rick would teach us how to climb the tree really fast to get away from the wild pigs. But we were only 10 years old. But he protected us. And um, we felt safe with him around. Diorick said when he moved to Juneau in 1969, he convinced all his siblings to join him. For a while, much of Shanko's family lived in town, but eventually they moved back to Hawaii. So one by one of, of us moved up to Juneau and worked, and we all retired from there. Delma Shanko married Rick 15 years ago. He was friends with her sister and brother-in-law when Delma immigrated from the Philippines, and he would tease her about being shy. Delma said he missed having everyone around as he got older, but he kept records of all the good times in his life. He's very good at keeping memories in stills, you know, in pictures. He would have, like, albums every year of what happened. Diorick says her brother will be remembered for his work with young people in juvenile cases. He loved to help people, and when he became uh, a magistrate, he helped a lot of kids. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumery. The knowledge, work, and art of indigenous healers and medicine people in Alaska is being featured at the Anchorage Museum. Good Medicine is a multidisciplinary exhibit and includes paintings, illustrations, a medicine wheel, a women's house, and a men's house. Those houses are traditionally used for healing, teaching, and meetings. Mida DeWitt is a Clinket healer and curator of the exhibit. DeWitt says the show is both about healing and is healing in itself. She says it holds space for traditional healers to be seen and to see speak. That's in contrast to colonization's attempts at erasure of Alaska Native culture and traditional healing practices. She says healers were targeted during colonization because of the ways they protected people. You have to remove the medicine people, the spiritual leaders, and the traditional healers. And so many folks were sent to insane asylums or penitentiaries, or they were just taken out into the woods and went missing, never came back, or out into the ocean. She says for decades, Alaska Native people were forbidden from practicing traditional healing. So now people are choosing ways to adapt traditional healing to contemporary life. We have to first fully articulate who we were pre-contact and understand that to then be able to understand how to adapt it so that we are 21st century Indigenous people on our own terms. The exhibit Good Medicine will be up through spring of next year. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.